What's up guys, Rick here with another episode in my ongoing Business of Fantasy Sports series. These originate as Twitter Spaces, which is an audio medium on Twitter. So if you follow me at Rick Run Good, sometimes you can catch me while I'm live. You can come up, you can ask questions, make comments, and interact with the rest of the community. But this episode, I'm joined by Pat Mayo to discuss revenue streams and basically anything else that you can think of. This Twitter Space and this audio goes goes on for quite some time and we cover a variety of different topics, but I know a lot of you are looking to make fantasy sports, either your full-time job, a part-time gig, something in between. So I hope that these continue to be valuable to you. And I'll give that, that warning as I always do. The audio originated as a Twitter space, meaning the quality is not going to be as good as you're hearing right now, or you would expect from the rest of my podcast and YouTube videos, but it should still be very easy to listen to. You shouldn't run into too many issues, and I hope you enjoy. Pat, can you hear me? Yeah, you do. You were right. You can't do that from your like laptop. You have to do it from your phone. <laughs> yeah, I think that is the uh, the limitation. Is It would be nice to plug in our fancy schmancy mics and rock it from there but it's like just speak into the void of your phone it seems like and it sucks because i actually i can't find it i have have like a apple dongle that i can plug into like the charging port of my phone and hook it into my mic so if i ever have to do like a hit i can just bring this like portable mic around with me but alas of course i can't find it right now like the one time i've needed it (laughs) Yeah, I've got a I've got a bunch of those adapters that I never use, and it would it would infuriate me if the one time I actually needed it I couldn't find it. Um, Pat, thanks for doing this, bud. I really appreciate it. Well, not being invited to your Twitter Spaces, <laughs> you had to do something. Is this your first Twitter Space? I think I joined one, like not since it went like since it changed, but I think you guys did one. It was either like a sweat or something like that. I think, I think it was you and EP. We're yeah. doing something, and I just jumped in for like 20 minutes because I was around. Yeah, it's. it seems to be they're making a lot of updates, though. So I'm interested to see kind of how much investment Twitter makes into it because, um, I mean, now it's like on the homepage. It seems to be something they're they're backing financially. Um, speaking like, of back, I was say, like, the, the moment like we can load this stuff, I guess you could probably set up like some sort of audio record on your computer and – you know, get the file that way. But if they could just allow us to download this as an MP3 and then we could throw it up on our pod feeds after the fact, like this is a really easy way to do shows. Yeah, for sure. And just getting like, uh, bringing on other people quickly for either a question or for the entire time is like, yeah, it would be, it would be pretty fun interactive content that would be easy to get through this medium. Cause everybody's just sitting on Twitter for the most part. Oh, hundred percent. Like if someone just had like a question, they jump in, they want to ask, ask their question you can chat back and forth for like 45 i think it would be it would almost replace like the old school talk radio shows like the drive-in shows like no one takes right. i saw morency tweeting about this like no one takes calls anymore radio shows because the only people that call into radio shows are like the worst people on earth oh yeah they're lunatics pure yeah. lunatics but i feel like on here obviously you people listening are not lunatics like you probably have good questions pat let's get us back on track here so uh the business of of fantasy sports brother you are obviously one of the handful of people that have been doing this uh, uh full time for as long as you have how long have you been kind of in the business of fantasy sports uh, as your full-time job this is my full 
full-time job. I guess that would necessarily, I, I was working this as a full-time job even when I wasn't being paid and living off savings. So I guess full-time was when I graduated from broadcasting school. I'd already graduated from college and then I went back to broadcasting school at the time. So 2012, I want to say. Wow. Was okay. I ended up moving to the States and launching a, a YouTube channel with the Roto Experts team in Sports Grid while we were down there. Um, and that would be like my first foray to be like full, full time in doing this. Um, you know, I could almost afford to eat. So that was, I said, lost a lot. I got in great shape. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, there's still, I, I mean, obviously being nine years ahead of, of where we're at right now, I mean, I still get the question daily like, Rick, I, I want to get into this. I want to either create content for a living or at least create content on the side. Let me ask you a bunch of questions about it. So let's let's start with this. We're heading into 2022. If you wanted to get started right now or someone wanted to get started right now, how would you as current landscape of making fantasy sports in one way or another your profession? I think it's booming if you're good, although I don't know if I would have the chops to cut it right now if I was coming in. Like when I first, like one of the main reasons that I was able to parlay everything I did into the job that I have today is that I was doing video in 2012. Turns out no one was doing video in 2012. I've really luck boxed into a lot of this just by being ahead of where everything ended up going and everything like paid wise ended up being video like i was writing fuck like seven thousand poems for football every single week that would legit take me 20 hours from start to finish with research and writing like i used to have my routine i when i lived with cody saftik actually and i was doing video and doing writing full time we were uh i basically like smoke a joint at five o'clock on a wednesday night or wednesday evening and i'd be up to like 6 a.m. in the morning, just plowing through this entire thing. After me, notes throughout the you know previous two days to here's what I'm going to write about, and, and then it just turned out that if I turned a camera on and talked for an hour, like far more people consumed that content than something that took me an entire day to write. Like so, I, I feel like I backdoored my. It was like the only reason I ever got into doing golf shows is because I my first day at fantasy, I sat down next to Jeff. And we were like, hey, we should do golf shows because we just <laughs> golf in the office like well no one's doing golf let's do golf and legit no one did golf until like tour junkies came around you came around uh, who else would be in the space even i mean at the time it was kenny Brad, uh, mr smith mr smith and uh fuck zach woods i want to say his name was oh yeah yes the, ori- that's the original right. uh, uh the original fantasy golf degenerates crew uh, but obviously Tambo's on there now. And, and then there was just a flood. Like even to look at it now, like how many golf podcasts, like and pretty good golf podcasts at that are there now? Like a hundred, two hundred? Like it's crazy. Yeah, there's there, there's a ton. Now I, I don't know how many people are monetizing them or are making any any significant amount of money. I think the good news, Pat, and what what we've probably seen is like there's 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 marketing budgets now right like some of these sites uh are are in an arms race to 
capture users, convert them into like affiliates for Sportsbook, whatever. And there are actually paying gigs now. I don't, I mean, when I first started, I mean, nothing was paid. And um, I, I think that there's not, there may not be like full-time job listings. Like you, you don't go on indeed.com and find like fantasy sports analyst or something like that. But it seems that there are companies uh, both big and small that are much, more willing to pay for content now than i remember yes uh especially a lot of like there's everyone wants to be involved in sports betting because people see where it's going and the money that can be made once it's legalized all throughout the united states and i know florida just kind of went back in the dark but you know florida would be huge obviously along with new york state but texas and california are the two that need to drop once those two drop then we'll have a cent of what the ceiling, I think at least, is going to be for sports betting everywhere. Because you can pick off your Wyoming's and Idaho's all you want. That doesn't really fucking matter. California matters. Texas matters. The overall bottom line, like even Canada, I mean, that's 33 million people. We just legalized it up here. And they're going to go like province by province to try to figure this out. And so far, they're doing a horrendous job. Oh, Although, Ontario seems like they're going to have all the sites everything by february i think it's going to be and they're going to be like the only ones that have it but that, like that's a lot of people those are like 10 11 million people in ontario like that that's huge it's like just having toronto uh, as a place where and we can bet up here but it's all gray market betting which is really weird so we, the bow dogs of the world aren't illegal here they're just not legal like they're unregulated mm. markets so what people would call offshores in the states they are offshores in canada too but they're not like outright illegal which Got is just, it. no one really ever paid attention to it for ages. So, and then all these people want to get into this space. And a lot of it, like I've, I've had so many meetings, uh, even like two weeks with people who are just trying to acquire, like you yes. said, uh, they want to roll up like three or four of these sites, get a whole bunch of these users, or at least people who are in front of users to acquire either affiliates and they can make money off these affiliates or they can try to package, you know, let's say someone came, and said, hey, Rick, Pat, we're going to buy both your platforms. We're going to buy Rick Run Good. We're going to buy Mayo Media Network. And we're also going to buy Tour Junkies. We want to have like this stranglehold on golf. Um, and we're going to give you each money. And then they turn around and try to flip as a part of golfbetting.com or something like that. And, the, and all of us work on this site. And all of our content is on this site for golf. And then they turn around and try to flip it to a VC who comes into the right. space even better distribution deal. Like that's what's working, but that's a very high level type thing on the outset, trying to break in. Like it seems both the easiest time and the hardest time to do anything right now. Cause like, like you said, money's floating around. It's never been e- easier to make yourself not look horrible on camera. Correct. You can just like, it's funny. Like I, I bought a camera, basically the camera that you shoot with. I bought that for Jeff. Um, to have, I actually have like the, well, I think you have the Canon. I have the Sony. They're basically the same camera. Uh, and I have it What in my studio right now. It's not active because I still have my, my main camera. But once I switch studios, I'll be switching to the Sony. And like they look, but I started thinking to myself, like, couldn't I just buy like a mount for my iPhone while I'm doing this? Because the <laughs> camera is so, so fucking good. It shoots in 4K. Like a ring light and an iPhone and that dongle. Yes talked about plug it into your phone and talk into a microphone that's basically all you you can 
record it onto your phone if you want and then like airdrop it over to your computer and edit it on there if you wanted to like that stuff is so easy the the ent- the barrier for entry for all this stuff is just not expensive it's it, it's not cheap but it's not tens of thousands of dollars right. like it used to be if you're going to put on a high quality production so i think that that stuff is really good i guess the issue would be is that so many people want to make this a career now that you really need to weed yourself out now is that a good thing or a bad thing because i people pass me along their videos all the time they do one video and they're like can you give me a job it's like you right. literally you literally have six minutes of on-air experience like you're bad at this you just don't seem to realize like well my pick ones like that's not really what we're going for here that that's really the last if you're pick, like, if you're someone out there and you think that you should get into the content creation space because you give good picks then fucking make a newsletter charge for it and give out winning picks don't bother with podcasts don't bother with writing because you could give out a hundred percent winners on a YouTube show or a podcast and people would still tune in to me and Jeff giving out losing picks the entire time because people would just rather listen to us because you're boring as fuck. Yeah. I, I, that I talked about that. At, uh, I think on one of these spaces, like find your lane. Like, are you, are you entertainment? Are you selling picks? Are you something in between? Uh, like, are you the guy who breaks down the weather for fantasy baseball game, like what's your lane figure out figure it out and and be the best at it and um yeah i get the emails that are like oh I, i've done this for i've done it for three weeks i've made three golf videos i, I haven't gone viral and i'm not rich yet like what <laughs> what am i doing wrong which is like the, the the worst one um i've got scott on the line scott you're live Hey, Rick, thank you so much. Uh, hey, Pat, just wanted to point out, and Rick, uh, there's a record <laughs> button on my phone for this space. So it might be recordable and downloadable already. Uh, and then my actual question is, you said you were ahead of the curve, basically, by, you know, filming and, and uh, video. W- what do you think the next ahead of the curve is? I wish I knew. And if I knew, I wouldn't tell you I would start doing it. But uh, I actually have no idea. Uh, it, it's really tough. Everything, I've kind of pivoted to going more, more macro than micro. But there's so, so much, I think, available content out there for so, so many niche markets. Like if any of us had just started like a, an F1 show six months ago, yeah, like, we might be rich right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. F1 and... Uh, I, I was thinking, yeah, like combat sports was, I guess, a little bit, but I still, I still think the room for combat sports. No, you stay, you stay out of one. Paul and Cody's lane. That's that. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, do not, do not worry about that. Um, thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. The, the, the one thing, Pat, that I think, especially as people are trying to get into this and trying to figure out what their revenue streams are, obviously having multiple revenue streams streams having recurring revenue streams all valuable but a lot of it a lot of the stuff at the start would you agree it's it's very transactional it's it's one it's one article for x amount of dollars it's one video for it's just like it, it getting to scale feels like the biggest battle that most people are going to uh struggle with when they try to take their part-time writing gig or their or their youtube channel or whatever to making it their full-time focus 100 percent. like i couldn't i mean i could live off the money that 
that YouTube generates for me over the course of a year, but it's not that much. Like people, like I'm not making hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars a year off my YouTube channel. For sure. <laughs> but I think that people think that though, like, oh, if I have 25,000 subs, like I'm on easy street. You, you absolutely are not. And I, I pound my shows with a ton of ads just to increase that revenue uh, in terms of the stream. And it, it's fine, but you know, you're, not phone at home telling everyone about making off of youtube like brand deals are really where it got separated and even what you do too like i don't know uh my collaboration with moose and creating fantasy national i mean that was really the big divider for me that gave me such freedom because that became so successful that i was able to take a lot of chances which worked out in my favor but had I have figured out in 2017 that I should have started Mayo Media Network, because like DraftKings asked me when I became a contract, like, where are we going to put your show? I was like, oh, I'll go on the DraftKings YouTube channel yeah. and build up there. And I should have just been like, that was the stupidest decision I ever made. Because I could have owned all the content if I wanted to. Didn't even think about it. I was so, so happy to get out of fantasy. Right. That I was like, yeah, this is great. They're paying me way more money. I get to i want i get to do my show this is fantastic i have to do any of that other shit that i hated doing uh but at the time i worked three years earlier i probably should have launched my own media network i'd be in a much better spot yeah i've um i've made a lot of bad deals along the way <laughs> trying to figure trying to figure things out and and you're right like like rickrungood.com is by far the vast majority of my income like not not even close it's the youtube channel it's not all these other things it's like it's the recurring revenue that comes from a website that um is generally the same amount of work whether there is 100 users or 100,000 users right like finding things like that and I, and and they exist it's 2021 there's the internet whether it's <laughs> patreon pat or something that's scary scales much better than you being just say okay i'm submitting my article um i'm gonna make 150 bucks off of this and then just write another one like that that's that's not scaling and uh, i think that people in this space right now like obviously i have my relationship with DraftKings. i hope you know i'm with DraftKings forever i've had a really good relationship with them they've been incredible to work with but since starting Mayo Media Network, like I've had the ability to work with other partners in the space. Like I've worked with Prize Picks for a while now. Like I really dig their game. I think it's super friendly, and just they've been they've been so proactive in the space. Like Underdog kind of did the same thing where they got out there with all the creators. I thought it was a really good marketing strategy on both their parts. Really getting getting their product in the hands of people who talk to a lot of people, and it's not like hey you need to play this uh like it's not hey we'll pay you per tweet that goes that's like no let's try to develop some cool content around it. like right. you've done the stock market for example like yeah. you can create shows around these products and you can show people that they're really fun to play because not everything like listen DraftKings is a ton of fun to play i love playing DraftKings, especially for golf i love betting i love betting on basically anything it's a lot of fun but like prize picks is like kind of the in between between it feels like hey it's fantasy but it's also kind of like prop betting at the same time and you know where can i pick my spots here i'm like the lines don't really move all that much so do i want to wait or do i want to get it early like there's a lot of strategy to it i i've really appreciated my my dealings with them they've been so good like so transparent like 
one thing that people will find depending on who you work with like oh yeah um you you'll you'll say yeah i'll do it for this right i'll do it for uh, 250 bucks an article or something like that and then you don't get paid for like four months so you never yes want, you never <laughs> want to work this again. like the people that i always come back to are the people who are legit pay you on time uh never never fear that they're running out of money or trying to fleece you in any sort of way that the best relationships that you can build in the space especially with places like that that are are giving out basically marketing money out of their budget is it needs to be a relationship that works both ways like it needs to work for you just as much as it works for them because like you said there's enough players in the space right now that you know there are two or three places out there that i won't do business with solely because of the bad reputation that they have from other people that i've talked to They're like oh don't work with these people they don't pay they call you every single day and want to be on a meeting for two hours to tell you their thoughts about everything it's like no, i don't have time for that no one has time for that like you don't want to be like if you're a company and like you're out there listening right now do not be those people because people <laughs> hate and not want to work with you yeah the and and building a concept building a you know community being interested in whatever your your brand partner is doing like they want that too like that's what they want to pay for it, and they'll pay for that as as opposed to just saying, here's, you know, a hundred bucks for a tweet or whatever. Um, I want to get back to those brand deals, but uh, Birdman, you have been uh, waiting patiently. Un unmute yourself and fire away. Hey, guys, big fan of both. I'm just wondering if you guys are jealous of people that have evergreen content, because I listen to most of the stuff on Mondays, <laughs> Wednesdays. Yes. I'm sorry if I missed that. I was out to dinner with the fam. But uh, like I, you know, Mayo, I, I watch all the cusps on my road trip, the cuss corners, and those are more evergreen. But do you, are you ever jealous of people that do evergreen content, or do you wish there was a way you could have more evergreen content? Yeah. Let, let, let me let me let me try this, Pat. So <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm jealous of it. But would you argue, Pat, that there is, if you can do it right, a lot of value. Uh, in being kind of timely, um, even if things are going to expire, being able to pump it out, trying to be one of the first to market. There is some level of value to the content that immediately expires two days later. Uh, yes. Yes and no. So like, I see Sal is on right now, and he can probably speak to this a lot better than me because he does basketball, which oh, God. We, we have tried to unlock at mayo media like i've tried to I, I have conceptualized the show i know what the show is but I'm like this only works from 6 30 to 7 every night that's it like it has to be a live show because if i if you try to talk about basketball at eight o'clock in the morning like it is fucking irrelevant two hours later and then it's even more irrelevant another two hours later and then another four hours later like it's just it's it's a waste of time to listen to yeah so you have to weigh that like we're like especially now like running a <clears throat> running the company and like running all the content being the ep it's like what's what's the best decision for us i mean i mean birdman you kind of hit on it if birdman like dave or whatever you're real <laughs> no go but to call him <laughs> we're, birdman we're, we're calling someone <laughs> birdman um michael keaton i guess what we'll call you uh but I mean, I think that you can see why I picked the sports to cover that I do, why I don't cover baseball anymore. Like, golf does have a shelf life. Even if something changes in golf, unless it's Tiger Woods pulling out of the tournament, what I say on Monday is usually pretty good on Wednesday night. You know what I mean, Rick? 
uh, for sure. The course hasn't changed. Uh, the vast majority of the players who are playing that week have not changed change yeah it, there's obviously been a couple of scenarios especially with covid where yeah the the favorite wds or whatever but that doesn't dramatically change the scope of the slate as it does for other sports which uh obviously is is one of my favorite things about about creating golf kevin uh oh, but hold, hold, hold on hold on I, I had one more point on that sorry kevin we'll get to you in a sec <laughs> I, I apologize so we have that. So we have golf. So Monday is still good on Wednesday. The Tuesday show that I do for DraftKings, sometimes with you, that's good. And then if anything changes over those days, I still have a Wednesday show where it's shorter and I can kind of update anything that's changed, hit you with the news. So I have the newsletter and the newsletter is people should be starting newsletters. Like all, all the registered users you have on your site, that should be like a newsletter or a data collection because as I found out, the companies will pay a ton for email addresses <laughs> uh, as long as like you own them. So getting people to sign up for newsletter, I don't try to spam people with the stuff or sell off their information. But, but if someone came to acquire my company, that would be a valuable asset that I would have because these are this is the list of the people who actually like deposit on stuff or right. are active with everything like that so golf works that way football in a weird way works that way as well last week was not a good example of that but if i do a ranking show with jake on tuesday like if someone tuned in sunday morning some stuff injury stuff is at a date but like it's not at the same time like you could watch that show and kind of piece together what's going on it's not so wildly out of date and four other football shows so you can kind of watch any of those at any time during the week before kickoff or before the game that they last and then i mean before paul and cody had the spinoff that's why we did ufc i mean they were good at ufc obviously that helped but they can record that on a wednesday and it's good till saturday night so we picked the three sports where stuff actually lasts it doesn't last a hundred percent but it probably lasts like 95 percent, which is not something you can say about any other other sports the other sports have a shelf life of like five hours essentially, before everything changes. Uh, you know, a new goalie starts in hockey. A pitcher gets scratched, or that's a different lineup of the guy that you wanted to play in baseball tonight. Basketball that we just talked about. Uh, even NASCAR. Like, NASCAR is irrelevant to talk about until they have pole positions figured out, and that's how you can actually analyze what's going on. So we picked the three sports. But I'm jealous of evergreen content. That's why we do Cust Corner, and that's why, Rick, you and I both do, like, the DFS strategy or the like those are stuff that we can kind of point to during off times or release if we want to take a vacation but i do have plans to start like a, a legitimate evergreen new podcast in the new year which i'm really looking forward to it's, once my new studio is finished and it's almost finished just needs the lighting at this point and the sound check but i will have like a fully evergreen podcast that people can go back through the archives at any time and it's going to be fine it is not sports related however it, it is um a battle that i fight constantly and uh have have you yeah i've used like the strategy stuff to kind of fill the gaps in between whether it's off season off weeks um you know just just things that i can constantly build and be like hey here's the same 30 questions i get all the time let me start building this out let me start letting youtube do its thing drive people back back to the channel for some of the more timely content okay kevin sorry you've been very patient poolside hit us hey rick hey pat how you guys doing good, good. Uh, all right all right so all right here's my thought and actually before i even get into that rick 
we go back a very long way. You probably don't remember, but um, I think you were, uh, we were, um, was it, uh, some of your content uh, was, how to say, uh, being used on one of my sites back in the day in 2012, a little DFS content was kind of being relayed under Rick's pick. So I'm glad to see your success all these years later. I'm doing really well. I think I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. I didn't realize it was the same person. I'm like, I think that's the same guy. I, I just, it's really cool. Anyway, I just realized it within the last year or so. But um, my question for you guys, and, and it comes back to uh, video content. So with the sort of um, advent of, of talk now and, and the shorter form content, and both of you guys do a lot of really long form content. And the YouTube algorithm doesn't seem to love that as much. Have you adjusted your approach at all in terms of like trying to shorten up your stuff? Because um, both of you guys are, again, really, really known for longer form content, even an hour long show or having a, but the YouTube algorithm, it's really hard to grow your channel and your page today when you're doing long form content because YouTube just wants, it's kind of using that TikTok approach of, 15 minutes uh, if people leave and however the algorithm works where it's not recommending your stuff. So um, number one, I would say, have you kind of pushed over to TikTok at all? Do you like that format for, for the type of media that you do? And also how are you dealing with maybe the difficulty now of growing a channel on YouTube um, based on the way kind of the YouTube algorithm really seems to be working lately? So, uh, some of the most, uh, some of the best performing stuff been like during major weeks or some other weeks where I kind of experimented with like top five sleepers, top five fades. And the point of that whole thing, and thanks Kevin, the, the, the point of that whole thing, Pat was to kind of do what, what Kevin's talking about and have some hit shorter form, you know, seven minutes or less because that's essentially the attention span for a lot of people but i have not i've not jumped into tiktok or even shorter yet one pat it doesn't really it's i mean it's not really my style but also um i think the jury is still very much out on um if tiktokers are spending money which i guess is kind of the short way to put it i don't i don't know if they are and maybe it's brands brand deals over on tiktok but i i don't know necessarily the revenue paths on tiktok as well as i do in some other places i, I don't have tiktok so i have no idea uh, i think that if you could you know, become the monopoly in that space and you one thing i don't think you want to do is spread yourself too thin on everything like i experimented with instagram for a while like i'm just, i don't live on instagram like i kind of live on twitter so i might as well triple down on Twitter, if that's what I'm going to go at. Like, I don't need to be all things to all people. Like, you know, my show is never going to be as big as Howard Stern's show, and I need to accept that, that I really need to kind of hammer down and find the people that are good with me. I don't really understand how the YouTube algorithm works at all anymore, to tell you the <laughs> truth. I feel like I used to have a really good grasp on it, and that's how I was able to grow those channels. Now my channel is growing a little bit slower, still doing, like, growing at a pretty good pace, but I don't want to do content. How can I phrase this? I don't want to do the type of content that brings people in for two seconds. Maybe they subscribe. Maybe they don't. But they won't ever click on anything else that comes up. Yeah. That because like, like, 
my best performing show is usually the ranking show that I do with Jake. And that's usually like an hour and a half long. But my audio audience is like 10 times bigger than my my video audience. And really, that's all I'm doing. I'm making an audio podcast, but figuring out a way to make it consumable in video form. So it's not exactly the same. So like my highest performing show all year is going to be the 18, I guess, plus playoff weeks that me, Jeff and Tim do our spread pick show. It's not even close. That show is like four popular as any other show that I do. And the video version on YouTube is not the highest rated video that I do during like a football week. Uh, it's usually the ranking show. It could be a waiver wire show. Like that one remains pretty steady, but the audio audience grows and grows and grows every week. And it just crushes everything else. The show that I do with Cam and uh, Pizzola now on Fridays, like it's, it's kept, it's the lowest rated show uh, video show that I do. Cause it comes out on a Friday. It comes out later in the week, but audio wise, like that show is now my second biggest show of the football week audio wise and it has just exploded like the moment i release that audio wise like the downloads come down so maybe i'm in a different position because i rely so much on my audio feed because that's something i have actually owned since 2010 that i've just built up this huge audience for audio podcasts but I don't know how well I would do with two minute videos to tell you the truth. I would want them to be scripted. I would want them to have really high production. I'd want them to be really different than everything else that I do. And Rick, as you know, sometimes, sometimes you just don't have the energy to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do know that. I do think it is an interesting conversation of like, I try to stay true to my DNA. Like what, what, what I think is interesting, and if other people like it, great. I, I think I would just prefer not to, as you put it, be, be everything to everyone. That feels like a, like I'll be chasing my tail constantly. And like, what do you do well? I, I feel like, and listen, we're probably going to talk for an hour and we probably could have talked for another three hours in terms of this conversation. I feel like long form is my preferred style it's what i'm better at than trying to condense everything into two minutes uh maybe that's for someone else and never someone else is going to have a lot more success with that than i would people used to like the triple play videos that i used to do but like those used to be like meticulously scripted meticulously timed they had moving background i was able to do those when i worked at fantasy and there'd be like nine people in the control room like stuff like that it's a lot more difficult to do unless you want to spend a lot of editing time that i think i would just rather record a long conversation because that's also what i like to listen to as well like when i listen to podcasts the style of podcast that i do is the style of podcast that i like to listen to not necessarily about like i don't listen to many golf podcasts i don't listen to many <laughs> fantasy sports podcasts either do I. Podcasts. like all all the podcasts <laughs> on my feed are basically everything that I don't talk about in my day-to-day life. Like right. not only because I don't want to, I don't ever want to be influenced by other people's opinions, but like I'm on top of this shit. I don't need to listen to someone else to give me information analysis. Or and if it's not funny, then I really don't want to listen to it. Um, but you know, I, I want to, it's kind of a break from everything that I do as well. Like I'm on Twitter. I'm scanning for injuries. I'm looking at different data points. I'm doing my own research. I'm doing my own research, Rick. Just like everyone out there in the world these days on the internet. I love that. <laughs> but like, I want to hear about, like, I, 
I don't get to the movies much anymore. So I want to hear about like new movies that come out. Like just those are other interests. Turns out like golf isn't my only interest. Doing the show isn't my only interest. But when it comes to doing the show, stuff that you, you, people want me to talk about, stuff I really like to talk about. So let's let's just keep it at that. Uh, and I would like to talk, like if I'm going to talk about rankings, I want to talk about every ranking. I want to talk about them for two hours. Like, you know how many people downloaded that show that you and I did for the Masters we were, where we just talked every single player? Oh, God. Ridiculous. I, yeah. Go through every single player in the field. And, yep. it, and, and people loved people it. People loved it. Right. Um, all right. Evan, good to see you, bud. Uh, uh, unmute yourself. What's up? Hey, boys. Uh, quick, well, not quick question, but uh, or the question will be quick, but the answer doesn't necessarily be where are you on the sort of question of trying to be a jack of all trades and cover, you know, two, three, four, five sports versus trying to become the guy or the, 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 the gal or whatever for one or two very specific sports. What do you think has the best chance of working, of paying off for you if you're trying to build an audience like, you know, I'm Canadian, so I'm thinking of like curling, F1 is sort of, expanded now but there have been these sort of niche sports that have taken off in recent you know months and years do you think it's best to try and get lucky and try and be sort of at the forefront of a single sport or do you think there's value in being a jack of all trades who can cover three four five different sports yeah uh i think i think my stance is pretty clear because uh uh focusing on golf only was the best decision I ever made it, but it was probably driven by, uh, uh, that was what I wanted to, I wasn't, I, I don't think I was good enough to do two or three different things, Pat, like the idea of, and, and I guess, I guess you're the sports that you're covering and specifically football and, and PGA, they are at least complementary to each other in that, um, you know, during football season, uh, the golf season is not the big, events they're both weekly games i mean i i guess it, it also kind of depends on the two sports or the three sports and how complementary they are or how much time they'd be eating away at one another the, i mean that's why at the like i covered fantasy baseball for seven years like full time because as soon as football went, it baseball would give you a very natural transition to go do something else and then Golf just took the place of baseball because I got sick of baseball, as I think everyone did. And golf just took that for me. I think that ideally, if you could be the biggest person in your space in one sport, that's ideally the way to go. That's yeah. You could be the biggest at anything. Be the biggest at esports. Be the biggest at curling. I don't know how much of an audience there is for curling, but I never thought there'd be a huge audience for F1. And now look where where we are i never thought there'd be a huge audience for golf and what we talk about but look at it now it's it's gigantic so if you can just convince anyone to like bet on this stuff you, you have a good chance of making <laughs> that that's really the key find something you can bet on is really the answer <laughs> but like without football like that's where our, the golf show wouldn't exist like my golf audience wouldn't exist without my football show because so many people found me from doing football for seven years before I started doing golf. Like I was doing like writing about golf, but literally like, I would look at the, the page hits. Like I would release a waiver wire column on Sunday nights, the moment the Sunday night game ended. And by Wednesday, 
Tuesday, it would have like 275,000 views. I'd release a golf column on Monday, it would have like 300 views. This was in like yeah. 2012 or something like that. And, you know, that's not the case anymore. Like, my golf article tends to outdraw everything besides my rankings articles. I don't even really do football articles. They're just lists that house the videos and podcasts that I do, because uh, that's the only way I can figure out to make what SEO viable. But I, yeah, I think if you can be the biggest in one space, that's hugely valuable because everyone's just going to come to you. Like golf makes me more money now than football does in a way because people associate me with being really big in golf where I'm big in football in this space, but I'm nowhere near the top of the chain. That's, that's kind of the thing. And do you think that like, okay. So the other thing that I always think about is things are getting more, um, niched i feel like right i mean there are you've you've already got beat writers for every single team uh jeff can do fine bolt right and he can find an audience there it, you know there can be a guy who just does injuries because they're, they're a doctor or you can be the guy who's on breaking new like if you were trying to break into football right now today i feel like you'd have to have some be great at something inside of football or you'd be like fairly dead on arrival yeah, and I kind of get grandfathered into it because I've been doing it for over 10 years. That people will just, people are going to look at my rankings because they looked at my rankings in 2013. I have no idea what the growth on that for me. It's probably, you know, minimal <laughs> to tell you the truth, uh, but it's still something that attracts a lot of eyeballs. And then from there, getting those people into the, you know, the Mayo web that I can push them to golf. Like, I know a lot of people started watching my golf show because they liked the football show that I did, like, with Jeff or with Tim or with Gary and that kind of thing. And they were like, hey, I like your football show. I don't really care about golf. I'll give this show a chance. Hey, this show is fun. I like betting on golf now. Like, if you can find something that complements it, because, like you said, uh, they kind of go hand in hand. Like, football, like, even to scale back to the Evergreen green question from a little bit earlier evergreen's great i wish i had more evergreen content but the fact that stuff does change every day does give the, give us something to talk about every single day yeah. you never, never really have to go out of your way to you know find topics to talk about there's always something to talk about in the, it, in the it also makes you it also makes you valuable pat if if every day i know that i can find something from you on football i know where to find it you're gonna have something it's gonna expire in 24 48 hours but i know you'll have something for me and you can just tune in. You skip that one. Always download, by the way. Need those downloads, even if you don't listen. Uh, but you can just tune in tomorrow's show. Or like, I know that there are people who don't care for, like, like I pointing back to the Jeff and Cuss show. Like people like to listen to that show because they find it entertaining. They're they're not tailing the gambling picks for it. I can tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> but, but there are some people who just don't care about gambling, so they. They listen to like the fantasy specific shows or right. they play on DraftKings. So they like watching the DraftKings show. Like there are so many, like you said, there are so many subsections within each of the sports that if you pick a lane to go with, like really hammer down that, I guess I'm more of a generalist that way that I've always done. Basically for the past six years, I've done season long fantasy for football, DraftKings fantasy for football and betting for football. I mean, there's probably going to come a point in time where I give one of those up. Uh, I don't know which one it would be because they all you know, have their. It's not going to 
put it that way. Uh, but like between daily fantasy and season long fantasy, like I have less entries in long fantasy than I ever have. I still love talking about it. I, I love playing, but I don't play in 51 leagues anymore. Kind of yeah. thing. I play three. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, I don't think that that's, um, I think that's probably a common sentiment as well. Uh, Dylan, I brought you up. Uh, I'm, okay, fire away. What's going on? What's up, Pat? How's it What's going, up, dude? Um, yeah, so I joined. I wanted to just give kind of a perspective. I work at Prize Picks uh, with uh, with Jordan Gold here. He's in the in the audience. Do y'all see him? The uh, the glasses and the uh, Jets logo in the back. Um, Jordan, what are you doing, Jets? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to kind of come up and and see if y'all wanted to get a perspective from the operator side of how we look at um, this kind of stuff for y'all. Hit us a- with absolutely, absolutely, because I mean, Dylan, like we've been before. Like when when I do prize picks deals, like it's it's through you. So yeah, I think that would be hugely valuable to people to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I, f- I feel like it's it's sort of a really good time for, for all of y'all listening to be doing this kind of stuff. Um, Prize picks, underdog, all the kind of small sites right now are in full on acquisition mode, looking for new users. And and I feel like even in two, three, four years, it's going to be that much more with all the sports books. So it's a really really good time to do it. Um, right now we're super focused on what's worked for us super well, which has been like YouTube and TikTok, that's kind of the future. Um, I see Sal on here as well. He's been an awesome YouTube partner for us. I see a lot of other familiar faces chat. We uh, get around the industry pretty well. John Luke, I see you up there. Um, and outside of that, I think what y'all were saying earlier, uh, Pat, about relationships also matters a lot. So, so for us, numbers is a big thing, but also we're people at the end of the day and if you're a good human you're fun to work with we're probably going to do a deal with you again uh do a bigger deal spend more money with you so that's a super important thing that is probably underlooked a lot yeah like that that building is so huge that you know if if you ask me to do something there's there's the transactional part of it like hey i want money from you uh and you want customers from me like that's the baseline of what it comes down to. But if you know, I'm easy to work with, you're easy to work with. I mean, it, it's no different than when people start these new sites, like, uh, like when FTN started up and I was with FTN, like when they were looking for people, I was like, well, I know like five people that I've worked with in the past that I know that are good, that are going to do their work. And I like them. I'll give them a call. Like, like it's insidious in some sort of ways, but that's a lot of how business is done at the same time. Like, do I like working with this person? Yeah. Then I'll work with them again. This is great. I've I've definitely turned down uh, probably better deals from people that I did not get along with or didn't trust and took worse deals with people that I did trust or just liked better because it is so a huge chunk of it is certainly relationship uh, uh, relationship based. So I appreciate that, Dylan. Yeah, I think um, one other thing that I would want to say on here is one thing that that we've noticed is there's some very large companies in this space, but some of our best partners, some of the people in this room right here with us today are people that have one person working for them and, and they have a very good influence on the industry. So, so 
just because you don't have a large company or awesome production or something like that does not mean that you can't be an awesome partner and make a full-time salary or more than a full-time salary off of this working by yourself, making a YouTube show, uh, making TikTok, stuff like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, as of, uh, for the most part, I've been a one, a one person team until my, my wife came on like a year and a half ago and now we're a two person team. So, uh, it's, it's true. It's happening. I appreciate it, Dylan. Uh, Thanks so much. Uh, let's do Matt. You're hot. Talk to us, Matt. Let's try Danny. <laughs> I feel like I'm working the ones and twos here on the on the on the driving show. Danny, you're this, you're this, why, this, this is why you need a Paul Shaughnessy in your life to do the stuff for you. <laughs> Yeah, we need to like, hey, you know, ask him a question. Make sure your uh, your sounds good. Okay, you'll be on with Pat and Ricky here in a second. Okay, Danny, go. Yeah, hey, uh, how's it going, guys? Uh, so, uh, I kind of joined the uh, the space a little late, um, but um, just had a question. So, um, you know, I love sports. I've been, you know, playing fantasy. I think like kind of like when it started back in like ninety nine two thousand. I think Yahoo was like the first one. Um, I do uh, stock and options trading. My question is, have you ever thought of somehow combining um, fantasy sports with investment type, um, like as you would like to buy stocks, but a fusion of both? Um, I did actually just see a website um, a couple weeks ago that they're trying it's more of like you're investing in players, but it it just doesn't seem that kind of thing will take off, you know, because, you know, the return on investment, you're not investing into an actual company. You're investing in a player. If they get hurt, you know, and you can like buy and sell the trader or I'm sorry, the player. But uh, I thought about it a while ago, like, it would be cool to kind of fuse the two, like where you're kind of um, investing in particular teams, you know, through a fantasy platform, um, if that makes sense. Um, um, or has that ever come across mind? I, I think that people have kind of played around with this idea for a while from what i've heard at least it's just it the execution of it is really tough but like rick i think what he's speaking not necessarily maybe not directly about but like what jock market does with their player ipos like that's a form of fantasy with players that kind of thing like i, I think that's more niche than like even when dylan was talking about like prize picks and underdog and that kind of thing like that's very easy to understand and consume i think that's what makes those products really good and I think the jock market product is really good too, but it does take a bit more explaining to figure out because yes. stock market is complicated. It, it, so, so I'm pretty sure he thought he was inventing jock market. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. So, but the 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 thing about jock market is, you know, it's one game at a time, or one day at a time, or one slate at a time, and they're in kind of like full education mode, right? Because there is a learning curve to it. It's not go on there and say, 
over under on, you know, 300 passing yards or whatever. There is a, a level of knowledge that you have to have about fantasy sports and a level of knowledge that you have to have about the market. And you're right, Pat. Like, it's it's not new. They're just executing it uh, better than, than basically anybody else who's who's done it this far. And there's probably going to be a lot of break off different uh, types of fantasy games that are going to try to capture some portion of the market. Will they be successful? I, I guess we'll find out, but we are going to probably see um, a ton of variance in fantasy and props or whatever else over the next decade. It's going to, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a million and, and I guess we'll see which ones are winners and which ones are losers. But that also at the same time, I mean, you can bring Sal in too, because I think he can speak to this, that when you talked about people picking their lane, whether it be a, you know, like you, I see like so many fantasy doctors, like you mentioned, they're physiotherapists or they're like MDs and that's their lane in fantasy. Or I'm a guy that only like uh, Jill's Gallant who works over at FTN. Uh, he's, he's like my neighbor now, which is great. We watch Thanksgiving football together, but like he's really found a really good need with these anytime touchdown plays and probably yes. that's a niche within sports betting and people really like it. it's a fun thing to bet on so i mean when you think about something like jock market you know their path isn't going to be to be FanDuel or DraftKings. Right. like they're just never going to be that big but that doesn't mean that they can't be super successful in their lane with their niche product at the same time so you, you kind of have to figure out what your expectations are too um like you know whether like with prize picks and underdog like after Mon- monkey knife fight sold for like 98 million dollars like i assume that you know everyone at those companies look and be <laughs> like oh shit uh we could probably like, in four years time we could sell for like 400 million or 500 million if we have enough customers like that's the ceiling on that but like are those places going to overtake the giant sports books? I mean, probably not, but that doesn't mean that you can't become like half a billionaire at the same time. Correct. Patients are. (laughs) Yeah. Plenty, plenty of money to be made as not DraftKings and not FanDuel. Sal. Hey buddy. Welcome. What's going on guys. Can you hear me? All good. Loud. Clear. Yeah. What's up guys? I guess I had, I had a two-parter on totally separate ends, so the I'll go I'll go with the end that's I guess relevant to just the holiday season. How do you guys scheduling content obviously gets around it, and not having Evergreen trying to make the strategy stuff helps. But have you put any other thought into sort of like a mobile setup? It will never look as good without investment as like your your main setup. But I'm thinking more and more, especially with football ending, on just potentially mobile setups ideas start massive where companies eventually will come around to be like the content creator airbnb but i'm just trying to think of other ways to have mobile setups i'm curious if you guys have ever thought of that yeah i have my i have my travel pack that i can kind of shoot from anywhere and it does involve like i said finding that fucking dongle that i can't find but like i do actually have like a ring light that can have my eye like basically how influencers take their uh like selfie pictures uh when they're like on instagram or on wherever that i can essentially frame up my shot on my phone have a microphone in front of me figure out a background like background is probably the hardest part but with that ring light you can be lit well enough that i think that that works like the overall quality you know it's not going to be the same as you have in your studio but it can be like 80 percent that and 
I mean, for most people, that's probably good enough, especially because the camera quality and like, you know, I in front of me right now, the one that I couldn't get to work earlier is the audio technica six six something it's like a usb mic like no one should ever use those fucking uh snowball yeti mics like those yeti mics are so crappy and there are other ones on the market that are like the same price that are so much better they don't sound as full as like a sure mic uh, or a road mic but they sound pretty good anyway like like you get by with that because you can adjust your volume on it you can and just your gain on it all within the microphone. So I think that the, the portable setup, I mean, you can pay 500 bucks and, you know, still have 200 bucks left over and have enough equipment to do this as long as you have a laptop where you can edit stuff. I find the hardest thing for me is like when I'm mobile, Rick, is actually uploading stuff because like I have to tether 5G off my phone because nowhere I go has good enough internet that it won't take like five hours to upload something. Yeah, no. So I've got like my go bag is like um uh one of those mobile hotspots. Yeah, like a little mini a little mini thing, and then you find like a corner of a hotel room or whatever for a backdrop. But you're you're right, that's an issue. But I actually think to a it's not necessarily mobile style, but there is certainly um at least I've noticed uh, people are kind of getting more. This is weird. People are getting more comfortable with um worse setups and what i mean is like networks would never put you on from your home studio because you were in your home studio but now that everyone has been zooming and video chatting for two years and everyone is coming in from their home like networks are much more willing to accept your home setup now that's not that's not necessarily your your mobile setup but it, it there's like never been a more acceptable time to be on the road in a place that's just like, yeah, like it looks good enough. There's like some photos behind him. He's well lit. Like you can rock and roll really weird time. And we'll see like in the next couple of years, if networks kind of go back to wanting you to be in studio and stuff, you know, it's a lot cheaper to be able to bring you in kind of remotely. You can do it from home. It's kind of a win-win. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see not necessarily mobile on the road, but like the future of, phoning in from home if that makes sense and one of the things that i wanted to do like when i bought like i bought a place to build my new studio because i i feel like i wanted to pivot a little bit because so many people are doing stuff from good looking home studios now that like i for so long i had such an advantage versus people doing videos like it's not like independent people doing videos that my production quality just looks so much better than ever everyone else's for like a good three four year stretch and then everyone caught up to me because they learned how to do it too and need a ten thousand dollar camera they could buy an eight hundred dollar camera and exactly the same thing uh that's why i wanted to go out and spend money on a studio that i could build that looked like looked 4k quality but one of the other things that i wanted to have with the studio is i'm going to build two mini studios uh inside like that the house that i actually bought and I mean, I don't know exactly how I want to do this, but I wanted to make sure that like if there were people like locally and I think Sal that we spoke about this before, too, like when you move that if you could just kind of have an office that had video studios and podcasting studios that you could rent them out to other people that, you know, maybe they don't have the technical know how maybe they don't have a good enough camera, the budget to do that thing that, you know, you could give them a good price or, you know, they someone says, hey, I want to start a podcast. 
podcast. I'm like, all right, here's the microphone. Here's the equipment. Uh, I can show you how to edit it on your own. I can provide you an editor if you have the funds for that kind of thing. And if you want to get distribution or ad sales, like I have a very good background with that. I have a lot of contacts with that, that, you know, almost like uh, Weston Bergman on the challenge where he owns like 3000 companies, but he's like a a super seeder when it comes to like all the little startups and he owns like two percent of them or something like that that was sort of the idea that i had and doing this locally that it would give people who just would never have a chance and wanted to do this uh, an opportunity to at least try it out and have a good space to do that so it didn't sound and look like crap mm, that's awesome sorry, yeah I, sorry yeah no i was just gonna close it i, I think that that is like the next big thing just with how many younger kids look up and they want to be creators now it's who can make these pop-up studios almost as like an Airbnb style. Yeah, I guess the second part, which is totally different, is just I'm curious, you, you guys now full-time feeling comfortable with it. What, what are your goals now? Like, like The goal is for a lot of people in here maybe to be a full-time content creator, learn how to start making it. What is your guys' goals as as being in that role already? I wish I knew. Oh, boy. Um, it's a great question. I I think it's freedom but i think that 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 manifests itself a lot of different ways um you know the the being your own boss thing is is exciting right not having to answer to anybody being able to choose your schedule being able to decide what you want to do it how you want to do it like that to me is probably the most exciting thing right now but i i don't know i just uh, maybe it's just head down sal pat like and i'll figure that out later i don't know if i have a good answer for that yeah i'll I'll throw it back to you sal because like i i don't know like do i want to be doing these same shows 10 years from now like do do, am i gonna like obviously i'll evolve with the space but is this really what i want to be doing in 10 years i'd love to say yes because i really love to do it but i mean shit changes you know what i mean like it is my goal of doing this right now to to flip Mayo Media Network for 20 million bucks and go work for someone else and have all the money I've ever wanted. And what do I do then? Like, if, you, if, if I sell the company, then I give up all my authority within the company of doing things my way at the same time. Like, it's very tempting to take a deal like that uh, because, you know, it kind of sets you up. It's, I have a family now. It sets them up. Um, and, you know, we could live very comfortably that way fuck if it was like three million bucks it would be fucking amazing but like i don't know i guess my answer is i don't know i just really like doing the shows i like the work i like the shows and right now that's good enough for me yeah i i mean i guess i was looking for inspiration from you guys because i'm kind of in a <laughs> i'm kind of in a similar boat but i mean i guess yeah same thing like right now i'm enjoying it completely so i guess i haven't looked at what's the next step kind of believe in the when, you, when you're doing it you're turning out the grind and like just the opportunities keep opening and you kind of go from there but yeah i guess like longer term it would be just some of the stuff that we touched on like i remember when i was in college just started doing this i was on the bus one day and everybody was looking at their phone and i was like all right how, how can i like be on the screen so they're looking at me and now i'm to the point where everybody's making this content at least in our space like non-stop almost in somewhat of a hamster wheel it's like, how can I be on the opposite side, whether it is the operator side being like uh, partnered with a bigger company or that produced uh, having these studios and equipment and being like a consultant to it. So that's one way to just 
just kind of eventually right now I got some energy left in me, but eventually uh, be able to like get a little bit less time in front of the camera when the time comes. Dude, you're like 23, aren't you? <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm 25 now. Oh God. Please, man, I, I turned 37 soon. Like I'm fucking dead. <laughs> Pat, you're a young 37. I wouldn't even guess you're in your thirties. Yeah. It's cause I, it's like, I cut the gray out of my hair. There you go. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, let's let's put a pin pin in it there.